about yourself. You have such an interesting background. So you were born in Nigeria and then moved to yeah. Ireland. Yeah. And yeah. how old so were you I, when you moved? So I was born in Nigeria and I lived in Nigeria till I was one. And then we moved to the Netherlands for three years. So I moved there till I was four. And then from the age of four till about 21 is when I went to drama school and I lived in Ireland for like 17 years. So I'm, I'm, my family's still in Ireland. I still go back and everything. But for the time being, I'm living in London. Well, that explains why you're so great at accents. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I think the thing is, I'm not actually that great at accents, if I'm being completely honest. I think the Bermudan accent is something that when I grew up in Ireland, I was really exposed to a lot of American media. So in Ireland, my accent for people that were not attuned to the American accent would sound American. The Bermudan accent is in between American and English. So it's it's a weird amalgamation, which is easier for me to do. Like if you ask me to do like a Nigerian accent, but I couldn't do Welsh or Scottish or any of the really cool ones. Do you know what I mean? I can't really, yeah, it's kind of capped. So you're at your maximum accent limit, is that it? <laughs> I don't want to say that, yeah. I want to say that I have time to develop some more skills, but maybe for the time being, yeah. <laughs> and so your family moved from Nigeria to the Netherlands. Was, was there a reason for that move? Was What what spawned this this change, drastic change of scenery? That's change. Because that's yeah. West Africa to northern Scandinavia is pretty yeah. drastic. Yeah, I think, yeah. unfortunately, the, the kind of crisis, the social economical kind of crisis in Nigeria isn't something that's extremely habitable for a young family. Mm. And so, like, they had me, and I think both of them had, they just wanted more for us, like I think as parents do, right? You always want more for your kids than you do for yourself. So they moved to the Netherlands because they knew people in the Netherlands, Um and they were doing, they were working, but I think for them coming from Nigeria, they could speak English, they're bilingual, but learning Dutch at their age would have been extremely hard. So I think for, it was the better option to not go to, to not stay there. But then from where to go from that point on, it's like, okay, America, there's guns in America. So they're not going to America. There's, there's knives in the UK. They're not going to the UK. So Ireland was like, okay, no one's really heard of this place. Um, so they went to Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like twenty yeah. years ago, no one really, yeah, the world wouldn't really know yeah. about Ireland. Yeah, and unfortunately, some of those are still problems to this day. I know it, guns in the U.S. It's just ridiculous. It's just yeah. Oh, it makes me so angry every day. Anyway, yeah. fun things. <laughs> um, so uh, what made you want to go to acting school? What made you choose that? I think. Acting school was the it was the next step, right? So I grew up in a small town in Newbridge, and that is in Kildare, the county. And it's, yeah. So acting-wise, there was a youth theater that I went to. I loved that so much. My director from that, Peter Hussey, he was just amazing. And he, because I started acting for fun. I made friends. It was like a thing I did when I was like 14. And then as you got serious, you were thinking about, okay, how could you turn this into a profession? What do you have to do? And most of the time for actors that want to be taken seriously in the industry or to have a place to learn the craft of acting before you actually become an actor, you go to drama school or you attempt to go to drama school. And yeah, I guess I was lucky. 
And drama school must not have been easy during the pandemic. I mean, you just graduated in 2021, right? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't during the pandemic. It was kind of, it was tricky. It was tricky. It wasn't like for me, I was, I, I'd finished the learning at drama school, you know? So like the first two, three years you do most of your learning. So I was at the, like the tail end of drama school. I was just kind of doing shows at that point. And so missing out on the kind of sentimental quality of ending a chapter, that was bad. But the actual 2020 happening, it didn't strike me that badly because it gave me some time to, the world shut down for a second. Like it gave us some time to like breathe, I guess. So uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, our kids were just at the end of high school. So I think they probably felt a little silly similar and they sort of gradually got into university because of it yeah they missed their senior year of high school and their freshman year of college because of the pandemic you know they had to do them from home so that kind of finality and celebration of it was was missing so when you when you're wrapping up drama school though surely you've got to do a lot of performances right and you can't do a lot of stage productions during covid Oh, of course. And that was that was really tricky for majority of my year um, and, and myself included. Like we I think we got two shows done and we normally have like maybe four sh- public showcases. So we had three of them done and there was one left to do. But unfortunately, this was meant to be the one where we all came together as like a class. And it was meant to just be, you know, like you said, this finality thing, it was meant to be like a union. We all come back together. We've been separated for three years. We're together as like a family and we're going to do the show. And that had to be done on Zoom. And I don't think I even need to say anymore. You can probably imagine that you just, there's not a lot you can do when it comes to living performances and having the chemistry that you feel with the audience when it's live and in the moment. There's not a lot you can do. So that was, that was unfortunate. You know, so you performed a play over Zoom? We recorded elements of a play and we tried to turn it into this pseudo play theater thing. It was weird. Oh, it must have been really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I like we were because we didn't really know what we were dealing with, right? Because one minute you could be around people, next minute you couldn't be around people. So we're like shooting things in different locations, trying to cut it and make it seem like we're in the same room. And it's like a duologue scene, like they're meant to be like across a dinner table or something. So it was, it was, it was just the time when the world was just like, we don't know what the f- is that. Oh, no, it's so okay. Sorry. It's all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Apologies. But we don't know what's going on. So no one really knew what was happening. We just kind of winged it, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. if you can do that, you can do just about anything though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> So now were you with your family or were you on your own or roommates or how did that? When I went to drama school. No, no. Pandemic. What was that like? Were you all alone? Oh, yeah. I I basically, so me, my uh, partner and my roommates at the time. So there's like four of us in a house. Two of them, they went back home. So they stayed with their family. I think three of them did. And then myself and my partner, we stayed here. I think we went back for like a short amount of time to Ireland, but we spent most of the time in the UK. Yeah, I remember being locked up in the house. We, unfortunately, we, you know, we had three kids here. I have triplets mm. who are all now going into, well, they are in their junior years of college. 
and Mark has a, a kid the same age. So <laughs> we were up to the it? rafters with people. <laughs> 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 we wanted the pandemic to be over just so somebody would get out of the house. All, Please. All these yeah. people were talking about being alone <laughs> and isolation from the pandemic. That sounded like, good to us. <laughs> I'm never alone. <laughs> Yeah. So, sex education came after that, after you graduated? Yes, yes, it did. So how did that yeah. come about? Um, so I remember I had an audition. I got the sides for the show and I was like, I need to do this. I, I remember I was walking my friend to the bus stop and I just got the sides in for my agent. And I was like, oh, my God. And I said to her, I was like, I have to get this job. I have to get this job. And I guess I'm. Um, then yeah, I just went and I worked with my agents on the scene. Um, they liked the tape, and then yeah, I, I got cast, which was it was a really um amazing opportunity, and the story that we were telling as well was really significant, like significant, um, especially because of the background, because of the ethos when it comes to people that are part of the LGBTQI community, especially in Nigeria, which is an extremely um, extremely homophobic uh country even now. So that was a powerful piece to just kind of celebrate that. Yeah. Well, good for you for being so brave so early in your career. Of course, of course. Like it's, it's, there it's, are it's actors who are more established who worry about doing roles that might define them or, you know, take a big risk. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. But I, I, at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm here for the stories that I, I get to tell. Do you know what I mean? And if it's a story that I, that is significant and it's a human story i don't really care about the, the social implications of that it's like no these stories are important i would rather be part of the part of the movement in changing a perspective than to be too scared to take the first step you know right on yeah and sister boniface is quite a gift sh uh gear shift there then right yeah it's <laughs> yeah like sister boniface is it's it's my home. It's it's a it's it's a safe it's a safe haven of just humor, friendship, community. It's I don't like the show when it comes to let's say sex education and like Sister Boniface. Obviously, sex education is a lot more raunchier in its content, and Sister Boniface is a bit uh, <laughs> a bit more family it's very friendly. Very tame, well. yeah. <laughs> Even though we're talking about people killing people, like <laughs> you know. <laughs> Isn't but, that funny? Yeah. It's a, there could be multiple corpses in an episode, and it's still wholesome. I know, <laughs> and that's that's the that's the quality of the show that's so endearing in a lot of ways. It's like you have all this manicness that's happening around you, but yet it has this light, cheerful energy, even in the sad times. You know, were you a, a fan of that kind of mystery show before Sister Boniface? Was that something that you would have watched? That definitely, like I think. It was like Murder She Wrote was one of my favorite shows like ever. You know what I mean? And so murder mystery has always been it's always appealed to me. I think as I grew up and I diversified my palette, then I was probably watching other things that were more of whatever interest I had at the time. So maybe I wasn't watching murder mysteries like consistently, but it was always there, yeah, for sure. Well, and something like Midsummer is just forever there. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. Like. Yeah. You can't be in the UK and not be exposed to cozy murder mysteries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you're you're the youngest person on that show by 
10 years, 15 years? What's that like? No, 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 I'm not. No, I'm not. Um, Amy Metcalf, she plays Peggy. So she's, she's only oh, that's like a true. Few years. Yeah. 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 So I'm definitely not. And it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, I'm actually, if anything, it's definitely a bonus. I'm getting a lot of great tips, like family tips, finance tips, career tips. Like <laughs> it's really amazing. A lot of people that have been through it are, yeah, they're giving a lot of good advice. So yeah, it's it's good to be the youngest for sure. And I, yeah, your parents just must be overjoyed. You're on a BBC show, one of the top ranked BBC shows in the country and worldwide and talking to people all over the world now. They have to be proud of you. Yeah. I think they most definitely are. Um, for them, they understand, and for myself as well, they understand that the fleetingness of uh, of how acting can be. Like maybe for one to five percent of people, you have consistent jobs, and you know, for for actors that are still establishing their career, it can be quite hard to get that consistent. So, for me to be able to do a job like I'm doing now, they're super grateful. They're super happy, but they just want me to be secure. You know, they don't want to. They don't want me to fall on hard times, type of thing. But yeah, well, we know we know from Jude. Jude let us know in her interview that there's a season three that's already been scheduled. Okay, and have, have you guys filmed <laughs> that yet, or are you in the middle of filming that? We 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 I yeah we. <laughs> I just can't talk about it. That's okay. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I can just yet because I wouldn't want to. Fine. Yeah. Okay. Fair. fair, fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sister Boniface. I mean, it's it's such a fun show, but yet when you describe it to people, you know, it's about this crime-solving nun. Yeah. <laughs> in a place called Little Slaughter, which. You know, if you don't want people to die, don't name your town no. Little Slaughter. Um, yeah. What's it What's it like being on a, a little cozy show like set in a little, um, a smaller community like that? I mean, it, there's it's got to be quirky. I mean, we've seen the the video, the great video you did where you toured the set and showed you know all the locations and stuff. Um, yeah. But it, it it seems really claustrophobic, um, but not in a bad way. But you know, it's like yeah. a, a tight space and and a tight group of people. What's it like to work in an ensemble cast like that? I think first of all, it's like summer camp. So that notion of you go away for, to summer camp and you kind of you're in a weird parallel existence to the rest of the world, which is kind of cool. Um, it's 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 the cast, the community. They're amazing. Like it's really lovely on set between the crew and the cast, it's generally like banter, having fun, a lot of laughter. Um, when it comes to like, when we're in the studios, it can be a bit cramped and tight, but you're in a studio, you know, you're in like a makeshift um, performance space. But when we're on like actual locations, we're in manor houses, they're like massive, you know, like 14th century, 15th century pieces and some of them are really extravagant. Some of them are definitely haunted, and it's it's uh <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun just being able to um yeah, and also like living in the Cotswolds for four months when you're in London, like everything is going so quickly all the time, and your mind never has a moment to rest. So for me, it's so amazing to just turn off everything, turn off the engine, just focus on work in like you know the countryside. Like it's beautiful, you know. So do they put you yeah. up in a hotel or do you yeah. 
stay in a trailer or where do you live when you're there? Normally they put me up in, I have my own space basically. So they get me, they rent out a space for me, which I'm really lucky to get, but yeah, they rent out a space for me and I kind of have a space that I'm coming back to. So it kind of feels like a second home. Yeah. So with an ensemble cast, you also have kind of weekly guest stars that move through the show. Um, mm -hmm. who have been uh, different people who have been in lots of other things. Is there anyone who you remember working with coming through as a guest star that you were really excited about or or really enjoyed working with? Oh, that would be so unfair to just pick one, to be <laughs> honest. Because they were, no, but they were all amazing. And like, it's like having a flavor of a different set of people for that episode, because we don't know. We just read the scripts and we're, you know, imagining who would be who. And then the people show up and it's like, you have, again, like this pocket of interactions where it's really intense bonding. And then, you know, they go back and we're still there. We're the like continuum. Um, so working with people, I always find it interesting to see what approach they take. So no matter who it is, I'm always analyzing to see what they do acting wise. And everyone for me has been amazing. Like I can't necessarily pick one person and I think it would be unfair to, but yeah, everyone's been good. Um, so we spoke to Jude about increasing diversity amongst this area of television in the UK specifically and mm -hmm. talked about how it's important for her. So there's a female lead character. There's a cast that includes diverse people. Um, what do you feel your part is in that or how do you uh, approach that? Um, that's a really, that's a really good question. Um, I think when it comes to diversifying, it's always necessary, right? And it shows, first of all, it unlocks perspectives for other future content creators to see potentially some stories, some period time, like period pieces, to reimagine them outside the realm of what we kind of are conditioned to believe about history or about retelling of history or of the time so diversity is amazing in that type of way like we're seeing a nun like a few we're seeing a, a, a female protagonist that's equally a nun you know that's in this wacky town where we're solving cases with a dude that's from bermuda um and it's it's i think what could be lovely is more diversity in the show to show different perspectives but right now to this point diversity on my in my perspective, has been relatively good. You know, it's it's been a kind of colorblind casting element. So it's not really tied to race or creed. It's open for interpretation, no matter your orientation, no matter what you look like. So I feel like the show is already doing that quite well. But more of that isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it just depends on how it's used, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've noticed um, in other shows where they've had to make an obvious effort to diversify their cast, sometimes mm -hmm. they have kind of a heavy hand about it. Like they point out, look, this person is diverse and that's why they're here. Yeah. And the story is about them being different 
Mm. Um, but in Sister Boniface, it just people just are who they are, and it's not part of the yeah. plot. Yeah, and I think I think that's it's because it's about community, right? They see you as one of them because you're one of them. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't like if you're an outsider. It's like okay, we have the connotation now because I am I'm a black man and I'm playing Felix. Now Felix is equally a black man, so he's because he's other, we automatically put him as other. But he's not necessarily other because of his blackness. He's just other because he's a stranger to the community. That's the difference. So once he becomes part of the community, then it's like you're part, you're one of us, regardless of what you look like. And I, I do like that because like you were saying, you can have embellishments of of people's like backgrounds and using that as a kind of unique selling point and you kind of you disrespect it more by doing that rather than you know just diversifying but not having to point at it and get like a round of applause or a pat on the back like it's not about that it's not about good job we diversified it's just telling a story from the perspective of multiple groups of people Oh, that's such a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, along the lines of of diverse voices, I think there's diverse perspectives. I think there are mm. race stories to be told, certainly about a young detective in the 60s who's black. That there there's stories to be told there, but there's also mm. stories of normalization that mm. affect, I think, viewers in ways that they don't even realize that they're allowing themselves to get comfortable with seeing people of yeah. color and people of uh, LGBTQ plus people just mm. being accepted and normalized and not pointed out. Yeah, I agree to that massively. I agree to that massively. And, you know, that's that's why TV is such a powerful medium. And it's how we use that medium and how we, like you're saying, it's not pointing it out. Sometimes it's just a subtle interjection is all that's needed to make people normalize with the idea. So, yeah, I think that's, I agree to that. Okay. So on a lighter note. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> tell us about a scene that was difficult to film. Something that was fun and difficult. Oh my God. Okay. Fun and difficult. What was fun and difficult? I can't, I can't, oh my God, this is terrible. I can't remember <laughs> how this went down, but basically most of the time it's it's when it's crunch time and like the sh we have to wrap, it's Friday. We don't have any more shooting time. We have like five minutes left before everything. We have to leave the venue, da, 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 da. And when it's the most pressured time, for me, I crack under the pressure. So I, I tend to, I tend to laugh and that's not good because everyone's waiting for me to calm down. And um, I'm trying to think of like specific stories. Uh, uh, most of the time it's just, it's because we're doing so much, it kind of blends into one. So I don't have these like knockout moments. Oh no, I know. Okay. She's going to hate me for saying this. Okay. So Lorna, <laughs> Lorna Watson, I used to scare her odd set is used to be this little thing where i just like frightened her at different points <laughs> we had this little just one like one upping each other and um there was one time there was a sarcophagus sarcophagus in the in the lab and i was in it 
and she uh, as she walked into the room, all of the crew knew about this. <laughs> <laughs> as she walked in, we got it on camera. I jumped out of the room. <laughs> he screamed so loud. <laughs> it was so funny. I felt so bad, but it was so good. It was worth it. There's definitely. Oh, but now you're in for it, though, right? Because she's trying to think yeah. of a way to get you back. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I don't know how far she would go. You know what I mean? Like, we've already <laughs> so high. <laughs> I, I I don't know if I would want to attempt that. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see that on footage, though. I bet. I just imagine, you know, all she has is this face. You know, she's so limited to just her face and that habit. And she's so yeah. good at emoting with yeah. her face. I just imagine, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then add like a high pitched scream. It was so good. It was, it was so good. Yeah, but she definitely hated me after that. Just a little bit, just a little bit. She definitely did. Yeah, um, if, if she offers to take you a ride on the motorcycle on the sidecar, I wouldn't go. <laughs> I know. Not I don't know what she's going to do. Definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you rode in the sidecar in the... In the first episode was that actually yeah. you in the sidecar yeah, yeah. so the but vehicles like, on that show are incredible the scooter yeah. is beautiful and the cars yeah. are all they're just so cute all yeah. the the little police cars and everything so do you, is is that something you enjoy that sort of period piece of things and exploring different fashion and things like that yeah yeah, it's like a little time capsule, you know? And, like, I I definitely like the cars. Like, the cars are definitely a bit small, right? I'm, I'm a little bit tall. I'm, like, 6'6", six, six but I have really long legs. So, in those cars, it kind of feels like a clown car. Like, you're, you know, crammed in. But other than that, like, just the the looking at the fashion, the fashion side of things. Like, um, our our uh, costume director, she's incredible. Um, uh, Claire's her name. And she's like the outfits that they come up for some of the fashion stuff that we do that's amazing for me is the clothes like they just look um uh, spectacular but the time frame of what it's like yeah i like the 60s i wasn't born in the 60s but it looks cool you know oh you always look great yeah definitely. Oh, thank you thank so you. the women get to wear the really outlandish things though the big beehive hairdos and the you know, geometric pastel, yeah. you know. <laughs> but it's so cool, though. I it's know. really, yeah. So the the first episode starts with you arriving. Are you really the secret star of this show? Is this really no. the no. Felix Livingston no. show? No, you're not doing that. You're not doing that. <laughs> no. It's not. Um, no, not at all. I think that Felix provides an opportunity for the audience to have you watch how everything's happening in the show right and it's very outlandish some of the methods that they have are archaic and it's just how the hell are these people functioning as a group of people never mind like as a police station right yeah yeah i feel as though as an audience you're bewildered that's what you feel you look at it and you're like how the fuck is this coordinating felix just becomes the eye for the audience it's not it's just he reiterates the absurdity of what is going on you know um but in no way he's just he's just like a commentator on what is going on but from the side of the audience but other than that no not at all 
the show is oh, about. I, I really like that interpretation of the character, though. But he, he but he does change, right? Initially, he's yes. let let me just go back to Scotland Yard. That's where I thought I was going to be. I didn't think I was going to be stuck out here in the middle of nowhere. And he's just looking mm -hmm. for a chance to get away. But that changes, mm -hmm. right? Did that that changes because he integrates more? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Did that. So you're you're on a BBC show. It has two seasons, maybe more. We're not going to talk about <laughs> um, that. Is is watched by millions of people. What is your your fan experience like? I know I know you you went from a young man finishing college to now somebody who is on billboards probably, or at least you see yourself in ways that you didn't recognize, didn't know you were going to see yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it hasn't changed. Hasn't changed my focus, I guess. Um, I think in international, um, marketing and like promotion, there's more like in America, for instance, there would be more marketing for it than let's say in the UK. So I haven't necessarily had like a, you know, like fan interaction or anything like that. But I guess it's surreal. It's really surreal because you're. I will see, like, I'll see a picture of, like, Sister Boniface and she, like, her face on, like, a skyscraper in New York. And I'm like, what the f***? <laughs> I'm you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, literally. So it's it's weird. It's surreal. It's kind of like I'm here, but I'm not there. I'm kind of here. So, but for me, it's always about the craft. So uh, I, I keep myself level-headed in that way. I would hope that regardless of my situation, regardless of if, let's say, people were, coming up to me and being like, you want photographs or autographs, I wouldn't want to change anything. I wouldn't want it to alter how I behave. I just want to keep, I'm I, I'm quite introverted generally. So I would like to keep balance no matter what. I have this balance. image in my head of like, just packs of like 60 something year old women just following you. <laughs> <laughs> I think without trying, and I, I don't want to imply that you change anything about you or anything, but without trying, I think there are probably little black children who are watching you on TV saying that man is respected, that man is listened to, that man's a policeman. And that's mm -hmm. a difference. And, you know, those fan interactions you might not deal with on a daily basis but i know you're having that effect absolutely thank you so much thank you so much for saying that and also if that is happening then i'm doing my job and i'm fulfilled in my job that's kind of what i would hope and want for people you know like if, if it's even just a little black kid that looks up and says, I want to be a police officer from seeing this fictional character be a police officer, or if it's someone saying they want to be an actor, whatever it is, just that sheer positive impact on someone else's life for them to, you know, chase after something they want. That's, that's what I hope I'm doing. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's why I got into this is to try and tell those stories as best as I can. I think the other influence that you can't overlook, and we, we heard a lot of this um, uh, just from doing the podcast about the kind of mm -hmm. shows that we talk about during the pandemic, especially we got a lot of letters from people just saying, this is like, these shows are like a warm hug to me because I know there's going to be a happy ending. 
I know that even if they deal with, you know, issues or tragedy at the end, everything is going to be okay. I can rely on how I'm going to feel after watching this show. Um, and I think, yeah, even after pandemic, people still flock to this, to a show like Sister Boniface because it's like a little safe place. Yeah. And so you're part of providing that little safe place for people. Um, and I, 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 that may seem more minor, but I think it's really important that people have that. It's Thank difficult you. to escape when the world is falling apart. Mm. And there, yeah. there were definitely weeks where we didn't know what was going to happen. We really had yeah. no idea. Everybody thought they did, but they're like, I've listened to our podcast and we're just like, uh, what was that? <laughs> well, but even now the news can be pretty, yeah. can be pretty dismal. Right. And you turn mm. on something like sister Boniface and you know what you're going to get and you know, it's going to be, you know, positive and um, make you feel comfy. It's like a, it's like a hug. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Felix is definitely part of that hug, I think, for oh. sure. And I think a good part. Yeah. Like, I think that there should be, like, the the big things for me for Sister Boniface is it is a female-led show in which she is not mm. romantically entangled constantly. Well, you got to make her a nun to make yeah. that not happen. <laughs> right? That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, fair. And it has a diverse <laughs> cast that isn't like under a big banner that says we're a diverse cast. Yeah. Like, yeah. There is a there's an Asian nun that isn't even talked about. And I love that. I love that it's just normalized. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. just fully accepted. Uh you gonna make it out to the US anytime soon? Have you ever been across over here? I have never actually been over to America, but America is it's always been it's always been on my list of places I want to go to, you know. As a kid, like I, I watched Power Rangers. I watched a lot of American shows. Like everything I watched was American driven in some way, shape, or form. Even anime was American dubbed. So, yeah, I think for myself, going over to America though, I haven't gone on a holiday, but I want to go for work. So that would be, I'm kind of like I haven't gone on a holiday for a reason. I'm not gonna go until I have a reason to go over there. So I wanted to be there because I'm doing something, doing work. That would be the ultimate reason to go over, rather than just booking a flight to see, to see the states. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I have no doubt that we will see you in even bigger productions than Sister Boniface in yeah, the future. I absolutely. <laughs> You're we'll be able to say, you know, remember when we talked to him? <laughs> you have, you have the, you have the it that I like, like you. You're doing stuff. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people who talk about doing stuff, but yeah. you're doing. Um, Speaking of which, do you make music? Do I make music? Yes, I do. I haven't been making music for a little. I'm in I'm in a weird decluttering of my music, but I do. I do make music. Yeah. Because I saw a couple of clips of you of you singing and rapping. Yeah. And you're very good, by the way. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But we couldn't. I I remember. Um, what was the name of that? What band? was the name of your band? The Grand Grandpa. The Grand. Oh, the Sexy Grandpa Collective. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing yes, disappears yes, yes. on the internet, Jerry. That, Nothing. Yeah. That, that, that kind of describes our audience. The yeah. Sexy Grandma Collective. <laughs> <laughs> so you 
were in that band. Okay. <laughs> no, I am. Yeah, hundred percent. So that's a collective of people. Um, so we're a collective of different artists that make music together. So there's there's, it's a network of people as well as like we have our own merch and everything like that. But yeah, the Sexy Grandpa Collective. You can check out our music. It's 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 good. It's good. You know what I mean? So. Before we go, and thank you again for all your time. You've been super fantastic right. talking to you. Um, Amazing, yeah. Is there anything that you are doing now that you want to promote that you can talk about? Let me see. 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 Nothing at the moment, but I would love to. I could drop you guys an email for sure. I'm oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. I can't think of anything absolutely. at the moment. But if I do, I'll drop you guys an email. Um, I think there Anything are one you'd like us to link to or to promote, we're very happy to yeah. do it. Yep. And, Amazing. And along with that, uh, send us your address. We'll send you some stuff. Too. Oh, <laughs> you don't have to do that. We, we can send it to your agent or wherever P.O. Box. We have a t-shirt yeah. about the Sister Boniface conspiracy. Yeah. Because there was this giant debate among our listeners about whether... Lorna was in the background of a scene in a Father Brown episode. Because there's a nun with glasses on an, like really early episode of Father Brown's. And so we were it like, might have been. it's Lorna. <laughs> no, <laughs> I thought it was Lorna. I said it wasn't Lorna. <laughs> Jude, Jude ended the argument. Yeah. Jude found Jude. out about the argument and she sent us an email and said, this is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so I'll we can send you a Sister Boniface conspiracy t-shirt. <laughs> I would love that. I would absolutely. And I think Lorna would love that too, actually. I'll bring it, I'll bring it on set with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And uh it's been really fun to talk to you. Yeah, thank you, you too, for all guys. your hard work. You do such a great job. Thank you. You too, guys. Like, keep going with this podcast. I have had truly one of the best times in a very long time. So thank you guys for today. Thank you for the questions and thank you for the conversation. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll see you. We'll okay. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. See you later.